before, not necessarily, uh, a lot of people know about Noah, not a lot of people necessarily know about Naaman. But you can always do fact-checking on, on, on me afterwards. 2 Kings chapter 5, that's where you'll find Naaman. Here's who Naaman was. Naaman was a soldier. He was a commander over the army, not of the king of God's people, but of the king of Syria. Now he was considered to be a mighty commander. He led many successful military campaigns. But as we find him in 2 Kings 5, we see that uh, he is sick with something called leprosy, a skin disease that eats away at the body and is highly contagious. So he was sick, and not just sick, but really unclean, covered in the filth and an illness and a disease that alienated him from that very, the very presence of the king whose army he had commanded it alienated him from his people, his countrymen, who held him in such high regard. It alienated him from the very people that he loved the most. And so when you consider all that, I can only imagine how much Naaman longed to be cured. But no one could cure him. But as the account goes, there is a servant girl... And this servant girl lived in Naaman's house. Now, she didn't have much of her own. You see, she was an Israelite, captured and taken from her home on one of the previous Syrian army conquests. But what she did have was a knowledge of the living God and that he could heal Naaman. And so she told Naaman's wife that God could heal Naaman, and she said, I wish he would go to my country and see the man of God named Elisha. And so the wife told Naaman, and Naaman told the king of Syria, and the king of Syria sent Naaman with silver and gold and a diplomatic letter of reference to the king of Israel. And when he got to the king of Israel's court, that king lamented and tore his own clothing because he thought, surely this is just another ploy. Surely it's just a way for Syria to create strife between these two nations. Surely it's just an excuse to give a, a reason for another attack because after all, who is it that can heal? Who has the ability to give life other than God? As a king, he knew he couldn't do it. But God's prophet Elisha heard all of this and he sent word to the king and he told him to send Naaman to him. And so Naaman went out to Elisha, but Elisha, he didn't meet him. Instead, he sent a messenger who simply told Naaman to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. Now, as we go on to read the account of what took place, we see that this makes Naaman angry. I mean, here he was, he was being told to wash in this dirty little Jordan River. I mean, compared to the rivers in Naaman's homeland, the Jordan was nothing more than a stream, a creek barely more than a mud puddle. And he was supposed to wash in it seven times. He was probably thinking to himself, you know, I have a higher chance of catching more disease by going into that water than being healed of the leprosy of I have already. Maybe he was thinking, you know, I came all this way and this prophet, he can't even come out to meet me. He sends a messenger. I thought he would come out and stand with a, a certain sense of spiritual strength, that he would call upon his God with a mighty voice, that he would wave his hands all around me to cultivate some spirituality, to divine the divine. 
So where's the spectacle? Where's the power? Where's the display of the might and the majesty of this God who's supposed to be so great? I mean, maybe he was angry the way people are angry when they're afraid. His health and his life are in shambles. He has no other recourse. A desperate man who knew he was out of options and wondered if anyone else was taking this seriously. Who knows what all was going through his mind. But what we do know is that he was ready to leave. Dejected. When his servants come to him to talk with him. And they ask him, has this prophet of God actually said to you, wash and be clean? Because if it's true, and if it's possible, then this is a good word. It means that there is healing and cleansing, so please do it. And so Naaman's mind is changed. And he makes his way into the Jordan River one, two, three times into the water. Four, five, six times. And then Naaman one last time. And God healed Naaman. His body was cleansed, his flesh restored, he was cleaned. And Naaman, Naaman confesses these words. He says, Behold, I know there is no God except the God of Israel. You see, Naaman had realized that he was cleansed not by some holy waters, but by a holy God. That he was healed not by a mighty river, but by the Lord God who is the Almighty. Now the question is, why do I share a story like that today? Because as we walk through God's word, we see that this is the story of what God has done to each one of us. Not with necessarily these physical healings of a physical ailment, but to bring healing and cleansing to a disease that goes far deeper and that wreaks more havoc than even this disease of leprosy. I want to take a look at a verse from Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. And so we've talked about the last number of weeks, we've talked about the, the story of creation, how those waters hover over the waters in the Spirit of God, and that creation came out of this and God said, it is good, it is good, it is good. Why? Because when the goodness and loving kindness of God, that God is good, our Savior appeared to save us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That God has soaked us in His grace. Again, first we're talking about how it is that God is good, and it is not our goodness, but His goodness that works His grace. Secondly, last week we heard the story of Noah, and how it is that in that simple example we see a God who, who saves and redeems His people. Our Savior appeared, He saved us. Today... We hear how it is that God is a God who gives a washing of regeneration. We saw a physical example of that sort of a thing, but Scripture speaks to it with regards to what God has done for us, with regards to our disease of sin. To try to have us understand that a little bit more, I've enlisted some help. Do I have my, uh, do I have my experts here to help me with this? I leaned on the chemistry department. Thank <laughs> you.
So as they come up, here's what we see. We see that God has created all things and he created all things good. But it doesn't take very long for us to walk through scripture and see that sin enters into the world through Adam and Eve. And when sin enters into this world in Adam and Eve, it isn't just this outside thing, but it's something that then corrupts who we are. Something that might look a bit like this. And so there's a lot of times when we walk around and we think about sin or a lack of sin and we think it's not that big of a deal. What we want to do is we want to walk in and we talk about how big of a deal sin is by making comparisons. It would kind of be like if we were to all have our own container of water and line them up on the table and we're saying, see, I'm not bad, I don't have sin because look, well, yours is darker than mine. Mine is less cloudy or less dirty than yours. But it's on a spectrum where this is the reality. We are all a people who are filled with sin. And we might even, we might be tempted to look around at places that talk about Christ like the church and say, you know what, I have a higher likelihood by entering into that midst of catching some crazy diseases than simply separating myself in order to try to heal this sort of thing. But sin is like a leprosy that eats away at the very fabric of our soul, destroying us in body, heart, soul, and mind, leaving a path of destruction in our relationships especially our relationship with our Creator, the living God. And so we think, well, maybe we just need to keep on, work on keeping the bad stuff out. Right? If we can just kind of stay away from the things that are unclean. But Jesus said this, He said, look, it's not the things that go into you that make you unclean, it's your own self that is unclean. It is your heart that is evil and filled with darkness. So maybe it's David who had a right and captured a best in Psalm 51 where he said, Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. But what do we see through all of God's word? We see reference time and time again to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, I guess hot pink blood, sorry. The, the blood of Christ, right? We see that this is the lamb who would shed his blood upon the cross. And that it's the, it's the sacrifice that was made on the cross, that it is poured out into us. Go ahead. That he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That his blood is poured out for us. You see, this is what God's word means when it talks about the fact that those who are gathered around the throne of God are gathered there because they are the ones who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It was Jesus himself who said, Believe and be baptized and you will be saved. And we might, you will be saved. And we might say, really? That's it. Believe and, and be baptized. But it's the disciples again who repeated time and time again as mouthpiece of Christ in Acts 2, Acts 16, and so on and so forth that said, Rise and be baptized every one of you, and wash away your sins. And we might say, well, where's the spectacle? Where's the power? Where's the display of might and majesty of this God who is supposed to be so great? This is what God has done for us in the shedding of Christ's blood. And this is what God does to us as he pours over us a cleansing and life-giving water in baptism. And it's what he pours into us with his Holy Spirit. 
See, because it's water that cleanses, not because of the power of the water, but because of the power of God's promise and his word that he connects to such water. This is the power of the cross and the shedding of Christ's blood. Sin is washed away forever. But here's how I think we often think about this. I think we think oftentimes, here's what's so great. God has given us a blank slate. He has given us a clean canvas. And so now we put all the stress as to how it is that we can make sure we don't mess it up and screw it up. Why don't we add some more sin? We're so afraid that as sin continues to come into our life and show our life that the truth and the reality of what God accomplished on the cross and the blood of Christ was a one-time deal that now is completely forfeited because of our ongoing acts. And yet as we take a look at Scripture... As we take a look at scripture, it says that he is the all-surpassing sacrifice, the once and final sacrifice. So if for your sin that was done yesterday and today and the sin you're going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, it's all been covered by the blood of Christ. Any of the sexual immorality, any of the, the drunkenness, any of the activities that we think this is the kind of stuff God can't forgive or maybe he forgave it then but he's not going to forgive it now, it's covered. Because he has made us clean. So I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you refuse to see the sin in your own life and your need for cleansing. Or maybe you know all too well the reality of your sin and you simply can't imagine a God who could forgive that. Or maybe you know of a Christ who died on the cross for the sin, but you think, well, yeah, that seems so long ago that he could have forgiven that. But now here's what my life looks like day in and day out. Or maybe you know about his grace. But you look and you say, it's still a struggle. If you have not been soaked in the waters of baptism, God says, come and let me pour out my life-cleansing water upon you. And if you have, let me help you to live each and every day to know how much it is that I have done to cleanse you each and every day of all your sins. We are a people who have been soaked in God's grace as he has cleansed and healed us of the sin that exists in our lives. What a great and wonderful and glorious God we have who is gracious and merciful in all things. In his name we pray, amen. Let's thank our uh, experts.